lost already. Amen. Uh, well, a couple of y'all have. That's good. <laughs> Brother Jim, you got your work cut out for you. He, he told me he was going to preach a different message uh, in the late service than he did in, over at Mason Creek. He did a tremendous job at Mason Creek and held it to 25 minutes. And I said, Brother, won't you preach that same sermon? No, I've got a different sermon. So, Ms. Mary, when it gets along about noon, would you ding real loud and stand up and say, that's enough? That's what he did to me at his pastor's conference. I was preaching. He said, you got plenty of time now. You're the last one, and we're going to have an invitation. And it wasn't. I mean, 20 minutes into that thing, he stood up. Everybody knows that means you got three minutes. And he stood up. I wasn't halfway through my sermon. But I finished. But what a blessing to have Brother Jim Moss with us this morning. He's an uh, evangelist, uh, love worth sharing ministries. Uh, been in evangelism. This is his 22nd year, beginning this year. Uh, 22nd year in evangelism. Preaches all over. And he's been a blessing to us. And he'll be preaching this morning, then tonight. Pastor at First Baptist Church, at uh, Trinity Baptist Church in Lakeport, in Longview. Uh, we'll be preaching, Brother Murray Kimball. He's brand new, been there one week. So uh, I want you all to really make him feel good, all right, because he, he's probably going to need it, all right. Uh, we all need it. I guess I shouldn't say that. We all need it. And then after that, Brother Herman Kramer sitting over here this morning. He's been in evangelism 38 years, and he'll be closing out the service tonight. And it's going to be great. The choir's going to be here. Ron Owen, I think, going to sing some. It's going to be a great service. You don't want to miss it. But this morning, would you welcome, please, Brother Jim Moss, our pulpit this morning. If y'all don't know by now, this is one of the highlights of my year. It's always a joy to be here with Brother Hunt and Miss Becky and your wonderful Woodland Hills family. And uh, we've had church already. Can I just say this? You have the greatest pastor God has. Senior pastor. Senior pastor. And I'm going to step out on a limb and say the greatest pastor also that God has with Pastor Kaysen. The best staff, and I could go down the list. Yes, give them praise. And by far the best worship. Amen. Thank you, brother. Each time I come here, because of the worship, I'm drawn closer to God, and God draws nigh to me. Thank you, Brother Aaron. Thank each and every one of you for being in the service today. I'm so humbled and honored at this conference, Focus 2022, to be on the platform with so many great men of God. And I couldn't help but think this past week as I 
looked at the schedule and noticed all of these men who will be serving us, ministering as God's men, several of them, the majority of them, hold a special place in my heart. I'm glad to see arguably Texas' greatest evangelist, Brother Herman Kramer, in the house. Brother Kramer, probably is not aware of this, but he has always stood out in my mind as an evangelist that I wanted to emulate when I pastored back in the day. As a matter of fact, when we stepped into evangelism full-time, Brother Multi Irvin, one of my directors, mentors, and I said, we're going to pattern our ministry that God has given us after Brother Herman Kramer. And we copied your articles of corporation and bylaws and did exactly what you did to become accountable, not only to God, but unto God's people. I love Brother Kramer. And then as I went down the list, I thought about Brother Malcolm Ellis. When I went to First Baptist St. Augustine, 1990, he preached my first revival as pastor there. And uh, that's been 32 years ago. And then I was honored when he went back into pastoring two years ago, I preached his first revival. And then Mark Humble. Who will ever scratch out Mark Humble from their mind? Oh, Lord. One good thing about Brother Mark Humble, he introduced me to your pastor, Brother Charles Hunt. I'll be eternally grateful for that. You're going to be blessed by Brother Ron Owen. I've known Ron since he was 14, preached revivals for his brother-in-law. He's a tremendous dynamic singer, but he is a great preacher. I understand he will be preaching Tuesday night. You won't want to miss him. And Dr. Alan Randall. I've preached several revivals down in South Louisiana with his congregation and Brother Hunt met him through the circle of preacher friends that I have at my conference. And so I'm just glad to be here to begin this year's Focus Conference with you good folks. And Brother Hunt, thank you for sharing your pulpit with me. And speaking of sharing, we just come out of the sharing season, arguably our favorite time of the year. And uh, I heard about this older couple sitting in a restaurant sharing their meal. This gentleman ordered for his wife and himself, and they brought out one hamburger. It was cut in half, one small order of fries, and one iced tea with one straw. And this old man, he very methodically counted out each French fry equally and put her half in front of her, half of the hamburger, and every now and then they each took a sip from that one tea and the one straw. 
Well, this gentleman was sitting next to them at another table, and he couldn't help but notice they were the way they were dressed. And as Brother Mark would say, don't let the clothes fool you. He's got money. But the way they were dressed, this gentleman got up, and he walked over there to him, and he said, I, I'm sorry that y'all having to share one meal, and let me buy you another meal. And the lady said, oh, no, don't do that. We share everything. We share everything. Well, the old man ate his hamburger half and he ate his fries and, and every now and then she'd take a sip of the tea, but she hadn't ate the first fry. And that gentleman sitting next to them in that table got up again. The old man had finished and she hadn't ate the first bite. And he walked over there and he said, ma'am, I'm sorry. I said, I couldn't help but notice you haven't had anything yet. Is there anything wrong? Is there anything I can do for you? And she said, I'm just waiting on the teeth. Now then, if we have a couple here that shares teeth and it's a financial issue, you see me, I'll see Brother Hunt, and we'll take up an offering for you after the service. It shouldn't be that way. Good to be in God's house. Join me, if you will, in the Word of God to the book of Job this morning, chapter number one. Job chapter number one. We'll begin reading in verse number 6, Job chapter 1, verse number 6. Read the remaining of the chapter. We'll move quickly this morning. Verse number 6, Job chapter 1. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and cheweth evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Verse 13. And there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their elder brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing, the asses feeding beside them, and the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. And while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Verse 17, while yet the second messenger was speaking, there came also another one and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands, fell upon the camels, and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. And while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy servant, or thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking. Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in the elder brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house 
and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Then Job arose in verse number 20, and rent his mantle, shaved his head, and fell down upon the ground and worshiped, and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. So much could be said from the first chapter of Job, but keeping with the theme of this focus conference, which I noticed a small caption at the bottom of the program that was sent to me, preparing the people for the coming of the Lord. Preparing the people for the coming of the Lord. With that thought in mind, I want us to focus on verse number 19. Job chapter 1 as our message text. Verse number 19 again. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness, and it smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped along to tell thee. From that verse, number 19, I'm interested in this phrase for our morning message. The phrase is, there came a great wind from the wilderness. There came a great wind from the wilderness. And with God's help and with your prayers for the next little while, I want to preach on this subject. There are some strange winds that are blowing. There are some strange winds that are blowing. And my dear friends, these strange winds blowing are causing an all-out assault upon our Christian homes, churches, and Christian institutions. These strange winds are not foreign to you and I as God's people. You're the faithful remnant of God here at this great church. You are aware of these strange winds that are blowing, such as domestic tyranny, hierarchy, council culture, socialism, Marxism, government control, wokeism. That's a new one, wokeism. My son has a church that he planted nine years ago in Nacogdoches, but he also has a barbecue business, Be Blessed Barbecue, and he has a restaurant in Lufkin. He has a food trailer there in Nacogdoches, and I was in line at the food trailer a while back and just standing in line, and there was about a six-foot-five young Stephen F. Austin uh, attendee. I think he was on the basketball team. I'm not positive about it, but he had a uh, a man bun, and he had gauge ears, and he looked down at me, and he said, are you woke? And I said, I've been woke since 4.30 this morning. I didn't have a clue what he was talking about then. <laughs> Amen. Strange winds that are blowing. Hierarchy, elitism, liberalism, government control, mandates, academia persuasion, Political correctness, lawlessness, 
society's values, society's ideas of right and wrong. Society is blowing in the winds, telling you and I, as God's people, what we can say, what we can do, where we can go, what we can eat, what we can drive, what we decide, they say, what's right and wrong. They're telling us how to raise our children. They're sharing with us what to teach our children. It is a mental preoccupation wind that is blowing 180 degrees away from the things of God. Strange winds that are blowing. And these nefarious winds are an assault on our Christian Judeo values and way of life as we know it and adhere to. Strange winds that are blowing. You and I would agree this morning that the prevailing wind is such an ungodly wind, but the prevailing wind of our day is one where people can now design their own truth, their own world, one that fits them and their own perception of reality. God forbid Strange winds that are coming from a wilderness, from the pit of hell. Now let's get to our text, if you will, please. In chapter number one, Job, the devil comes and makes an accusation against him. God allows the devil to have an inroad, to have power, to have influence over him. He allows the devil to place his hands upon Job's possessions and upon his family. Now, you and I are Bible students. You and I have read the book of Job, amen? You and I have read chapter number two, and you and I are aware that God's going to give the devil a second opportunity. And in chapter number two, God's going to allow the devil to put his hand on Job's health, upon his body. But the devil has not read chapter 2. As far as the devil's concerned, all he has is one shot at Job. And his ultimate purpose is to get Job to curse God. That word curse in the Hebrew gives a, a mental picture of getting Job to turn his back on God. He doesn't know that he's going to come back in chapter number two, and God's going to ask him in chapter number two, from whence comest thou? And he's going to say from going to and from the earth and from walking up and down in it. God's going to ask him the second time, as thou considered thy servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God up to with evil. The devil doesn't know he's going to have another chance. But what the devil does know, that he's got free reign on Job's possessions and his family. And we read about four messengers and the result of the devil's assault and attack upon Job and the malady and the affliction and the suffering that Job experienced in that one best shot the devil has. I want you to notice this morning that 
culmination of the devil's attack on Job. What was the culmination of his entire attack that we read about? It was upon Job's family, especially his children. Can I just say this at the outset? There are three thoughts that I want to share. We're just going to briefly talk about the first two, and then we'll camp out for the close of our sermon on point number three. But point number one, I want you to notice that these great winds that are blowing, they are destructive winds. And this accommodation on Job's family was an attack upon his children. Uh, we're at the first Sunday of this new year that God has given us, and I want to applaud you for, for being found in the house of God. Thank the Lord for the faithfulness of the people right here at Woodland Hills Baptist Church. And I can rest assured for the most of you, if not all of you, the devil knows he cannot get you. And so if the devil knows he cannot get you, the thing the devil knows what he can do is, if he can't get you, he can discourage you by getting your children and your grandchildren. And so this destructive wind, I want you to notice with me, first of all, that it fell among the young men. That speaks of the devil coming after Job's children. When I pastored Brother Hunt, from time to time there in St. Augustine, I would have a, a family that would drop out of church. Without a show of hands, anybody ever dropped out of church? You know, certainly we've all backslid. And, but I'd have a family every now and then to drop out of church and these particular families that come to my mind, they quit church because they had a child, maybe a teenager, maybe a young adult child that sinned, fell, committed an act, got caught, and as a result of their child sinning, the parents became embarrassed over their child's act. And the parents began to let that embarrassment lead to bitterness. And they did not want to be around people. And consequently, that bitterness not wanting to be around people led them to not want to be around their church family. And so they dropped out completely. They fell off the map. And I would go and visit them and I wanted to say, I did not say, but I wanted to say, it was not the time or place in their home, but I wanted to say, dear gentlemen, dear ma'am, if you would have stayed right where you were when your child went off to the hog pen, if your child came back, they would have at least found uh, you right where you were when they left you. Anybody in the house thankful that when the prodigal got through watering in the hog pen and he came to his senses and he went back home that he found the father right on the doorstep of the house where the son had left him. Hallelujah, the door of God's house is always open. Mm. Not only did it fall among the young men, but it, the Bible says there, 
four corners. That speaks of the foundational things. It pictures the foundational aspect of the family. The devil's trying to destroy marriage, the home. And as a result, it's creeping into our churches. And so many of our churches are now with disunity and divisiveness simply because of the strange winds that are blowing in our homes. The devil knows that the foundation of the family is one man, one wife, for life, raising their children for God. One man, one woman, not a gender, not whoever you choose to be. I saw a documentary this week, a teenager here in the state of Texas, they were interviewing Mama was sitting next to the teenage child, just smiling. And this child was putting on makeup. And they interviewed and asked her, was she bisexual? Was she transgender? Was she male? Was she female? And she says, I am agender. I am what I choose to be whatever my mood dictates each day of my life. She said, one day I'm a female, one day I'm a male. Hey, somebody help me. Those are strange winds that are blowing and they're destructive winds. Destructive winds. Depraved, modernist perverts attacking the foundation of society. And secondly, these destructive winds are coming from a distant place, a distant place. Now notice in our text, these winds did not just pop up in Job's backyard. They didn't even come from his neighborhood. But the Bible says they came from the wilderness. A great wind from the wilderness. When I was a kid, I guess the older you become, the more you revert back to your childhood. Is there any truth in that? Uh, you're, you're too young. You don't need to agree with that. But some of you older folks now, I'm not old. I'm getting older. Some of you have been old for a long time, but I, I'm not getting, I'm not old yet, but I, I think about childhood days. Used to spend many Friday nights with great grandma. She was a widow, great auntie. Her daughter was a widow, my great auntie. And I'd spend the night on Friday night because on Saturday morning before daylight, great auntie would drive great grandma and myself fishing out to Pawpaw's Cow Pond, 15 miles out of town. And I'd lay there in that bed as an anxious kid, couldn't go to sleep, going fishing the next morning. And there on the nightstand next to the bed that I slept on in the spare bedroom at Great Grandma's house, there was a little portional, a portion, porcelain, little hut-like, just a figurine of porcelain. It was a house and it had two doors. And uh, one side swung out Hansel and Greta, those two children. The other side swung out the witch. And when you're a kid, you don't have any clue what a barometer is, but looking back over, it was based on the barometer. And when those kids come out, fishing was good. But that witch, when she'd pop her head out, you might as well go back to bed. And what little kid don't want to go fishing? I'd stay up most of the night, keep pushing that witch back in. 
But when that witch would be out at daybreak and I'd see it, I'd run in and wake grandma up and say, great grandma, the witch is out. And she said, don't worry, Jimmy, we're still gonna go even if the wind's blowing out of the east or even if there is an ill wind. Anybody ever heard that? I hadn't heard that term in a long time. An ill wind blowing. Can I just submit to you good people this morning that in our text there is an ill wind blowing. And it comes from a wilderness, a distant place. There are ill winds blowing today. Ungodliness, untruthfulness, immorality, paganism, defeatism, disaster, disappointment, discouragement, heathenism. And the wind that the devil used to destroy Job's Children and his family are the same winds the devil is using to destroy your family and this church. You say it'll never happen. Look around. It's happened. It's happened to others. Brother Herman will tell you he travels every week. I do as well all up and down, east and west, north and south. So many churches are abandoned today. So many are for sale. So many are shutting their doors. So many are about 40%. Let me just encourage you on this first Sunday, we need to decide we're going to be committed and not be that church where only a few are doing it all. We all must be here to protect our families and our church. Let me move on. I got scripture, Psalms 144. Proverbs, but I want to get to the main part of the message before we're done. How's it getting in there? We could talk about television, laptops, tablets, smartphones. I got all of them. I've got restrictions on mine, but I learned this. A fence is only good for those who want to stay in it. My wife has the password. I don't keep nothing from her. You say, well, why don't you give your the passcode? Why don't you give your wife the passcode? Because I want to, don't want to find myself somewhere that I'll have on my mind the rest of my life and have to live with it. But if I ever need anything, I go to my youngest grandchild. <laughs> now, you know they're smarter on that stuff than you and I are. Amen? And they'll tell you, I don't care what restrictions you got, if they want to, they can get around them. Evil communications, the Bible says, corrupt good manners. I would say that our children are hearing, seeing things that we never thought about growing up. I'm not against new things, but I am against new things that are against God. But let me close with this. Not only are they destructive winds from a distant place, foreign, unusual, but they're following a desolate path. You see, wilderness in the Bible speaks of a large, flat expanse of land. Wilderness doesn't speak of hills or mountains, but if you will, a desert. And this wind that came up, came up from the desert, and it picked up force until it finally destroyed Job's children and the house they were in. I was doing a revival in North Oklahoma, right on the Kansas line. A few Kansas preachers were there, and they asked me if they have ever done a revival up in Kansas, and I said no. And they said, well, we're going to have to get you up there. I said, up in Kansas where we live, they said, we have prairies. And they said, these prairies are large, flat expanses of land. 
and said these winds would come up in a distance and they would blow across these prairies and they would pick up gale force. And by the time they got to our property, our houses, they would be destructive. And he said, over the years, we learned to plant trees as a windbreak or a storm break between the storms, the winds, and our homes. And I got to thinking, turn with me in your Bible to Psalms number one. We're going to have it on the screen. Thank you, Brother Jason, for doing that for me. Psalms number one. And I want us to look at the first three verses of Psalms number one. It says in verse number one, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate day and night. Verse number three, notice this, And he shall be like a what? Like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, and his leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth, shall prosper. And I'm thinking about what that pastor said. We plant trees. These trees do not dissipate the wind, but they help as a wind break and dissipate some of the force of the wind for it takes out our homes and our properties. And I'm thinking about, praise God, one of the greatest needs that we have in the 21st century church today, we need more trees. We can't do anything about the winds. They're going to keep blowing. But what we can do, we can become trees that help dissipate the force of the winds upon our houses, upon our children, and upon our churches. Somebody ought to say amen. Mm. The problem over these many years that I have noticed is the 21st century church, especially since this pandemic of two years and running, we have less trees and more potted plants. Y'all know Pastor Dr. Lloyd Scott, he preaches here. I preach for him every year for the past nearly 20 years. I was preaching his 25th pastor's anniversary eight years ago, they rented out the Port Arthur Convention Center. And I told my wife, I said, baby, you're going to have to go somewhere besides Walmart or Cato's. We're going to have to go to Dillard's for this thing. I mean, it was a... And we're sitting on the platform, and there's about 300 plus out there of this congregation. Man, they were dressed up. There was only one other white couple in the whole place. I was one of the keynote speakers, and then following me was another keynote speaker, Dr. Adolph, who pastors Antioch Missionary Baptist Church, a predominantly black church between Beaumont and Port Arthur that has 10,000 members. So I'm a little nervous after I do mine. He gets up there, and he goes to talking about it, and all of a sudden, right in the middle, and you, you can only imagine. I mean, they were nearly hanging off the rafters. They were excited, and they were having church in there, and the acoustics were horrific, and I couldn't understand anything that was said or whatever. And all of a sudden, that Dr. Adolph said the word potty. And I said, potty? you got to go to the bathroom right in the middle of a sermon? 
I leaned over to Rita and I couldn't believe what I heard. And I said, honey, what did he say? And she said, I think he said potty. I said, surely not. I leaned over to another brother that was sitting next to me on the platform. I said, what did he say? I couldn't hear nothing. He said, potty. I listened and listened, never understood until afterwards I asked Brother Scott, whom you know, a priest here, I asked him, I said, what is Adolf talking about? He said, no, he's talking about a potted plant. And I said, well, then, you know, that rings a bell there because I have pastored and in relationships I've built with so many churches, uh, nearly over a thousand revivals these last 20 plus years. I have built relationships with other people and I have discovered there are a lot of potted plants in our church. You say, well, what's a potted plant? Glad you asked. I'm sitting on the back porch during Christmas my son's there, my grandsons are there, and the rest of the women are in the house. I said, son, you gonna help me move these potted plants back around? What do you mean, daddy? Well, your mama had me towed every one of them on a wagon. Several trips out of the backyard, around the fence, into the front, into the garage. I said, I despise a potted plant. Can't stand them. And she wants me to take care of her potted plants. Now she's retired now, she's got a better handle on it, but until she retired this past year, I'm the one that had to see out of those blooming potted plants. First encounter, I asked Siri, I asked Siri, Siri, how do you take care of a potted plant? And she came back and she said, tips to keep a house plant alive. I started looking, it says, choose the correct pot. Drainage is extremely important. Use good parting soil. Give them plenty of light. Keep your pet away. Learn about your plant. Watch for shade or sun. Keep your eye on the temperature. Think about the rain. Dehead, pinching off the dead blossoms. Keep away pests. And then if all else fails, talk to an expert. Gee, I have pastors call me every week, and you do too, Brother Herman. They'll say, how do I handle this pot plant? How do I handle this church member? What do I do now? They want to be cuddled. They want to be catered to. They want to be primed up, picked up, pepped up. They want to be uh, 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 put on a pedestal. I've got to pat them on the back. I've got to do this. I've got to do that for I say, They say, what can I do? I'm going to start saying, call Brother Hunt. He's the expert. Potted plants. I said, son, you see that big massive pin oak 50 feet from us there in the backyard? I said, I, we've been living here for 17 years. You know what I've had to do to that tree that's planted? I've done absolutely zero. Haven't watered it, hadn't fertilized it. That tree's standing tall. It is a tower. But these potted plants, you've got to maintain them. God help us to give us some church folks that will be planted like trees that you don't have to pamper and pet and cuddle and cater to. Do what God's called you to do. Don't have to be patted on the back. Don't have to have your name in the bulletin or blasted on the church marquee. Do it. Be a tree to dissipate the force 
of these strange winds that are trying to destroy your homes and your churches. I've got so much to say, but I'm done. Miss Mary's sitting right back there. She's about to blow that bell. I saw you. I saw her. I saw her. She's done passed you the bell. I saw that. Be a tree. Y'all know what a tree is? I don't have to take 10 minutes to elaborate what a tree is. Planted. Be here not just when it's convenient. Your church needs you every time the doors are open. But most importantly, the Lord needs us. As we prepare people for the coming of the Lord, no greater word could be said than we would prepare ourselves this morning in this altar and stand being accountable not only to God, but to one another and our pastor that we're going to be a tree that Woodland Hills can depend on this new year. I'm a tree planted by the rivers of water. Faith, prayer, and the word are my fertile soil. I've been taught by the Holy Spirit, trained by experience, tried by adversity, and tested by fire. I am a tree, and thank God I'm planted for eternity. I will not get out, sell out, be talked out, pushed out. I'm faithful, reliable, capable, dependable. My God, if my God needs me, I'm there. I'm a tree. I'm not a potted plant. I do not need to be pampered, petted, primed up, pumped up, picked up, or pepped up. I'm a tree planted. No one has to call me, remind me, write me, visit me, entice me, or lure me. I'm a tree. I'm not a potted plant. I am in my place, faithful to my heavenly husband. I'm obeying his orders, following his will, praising his name, building his kingdom. No one has to send me flowers, gifts, food, cards, or candy, or give me handouts. I don't need to be cuddled, cradled, cared for, catered to. I am committed. I cannot have my feelings hurt bad enough to turn me around. I cannot be discouraged enough to turn me aside. I cannot lose enough to cause me to quit. When Jesus planted me, I had nothing. And if I end up with nothing, I will still come out ahead. I will win. My God has and will continue to supply all my needs. The devil cannot defeat me. People cannot disillusion me. Weather cannot weary me. Sickness cannot stop me. Battles cannot beat me. Money cannot buy me. Governments cannot silence me. And hell cannot handle me. I am a tree. Even death cannot destroy me. Here I stand tonight, accountable this morning to you and to God. This year, I've got to stand taller. I'm not only responsible and accountable to myself and my wife and my two grown children and their spouses and my six grandkids. I'm standing. Are you standing? Let's see you stand. Amen. 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 Are you standing? Look, Pastor, everybody's standing. Everybody's standing. Hallelujah. Give him praise. We're going to stand. <laughs> Pastor Kaysen in the house. Pastor Kaysen in the house. Would you come down, my brother? 
greet these dear folks like you do from week to week, my brother in this altar. If you're here this morning, the greatest way you could stand is to receive Jesus first and foremost. Make him Lord. Receive him as Savior of your life and make him Lord of your life. Stand. Is there anything your children can see in you that they can say there is a God and he's real and he answers prayer? Stand. If you need to be saved, you come to Brother Kaysen. If you're in the house today and you want to start this year off on the right foot and that's the will of God and you've been searching for a church home and you know deep down in God's leading you, you'll not find a friendlier, faithful, fervent, God-fearing church that loves souls and loves people than Woodland Hills Baptist. You don't have to be a deciding what God's will is. God has already willed or you wouldn't be coming to this church. You need to come down and put your membership like the four did in the early service. You see Brother Cason as well. But for all the rest of us, and we're going to close, but this is Sunday morning. We may be running a little long, but I want us to have an invitation that we'll never forget this year, that it will be a total commitment on our part. This great praise team, they're going to lead us. But Brother Hunt standing right here, I want us to begin, even those in the balcony participate, nobody leave, we'll have a formal benediction when he sees fit. But I want you to come around. If you need to stop off to see Pastor Kaysen, but you come on everybody, and you take him by the hand before God in this altar and accountable to the people here that you serve the Lord with, where they'll see that you're going to be a tree planted by the rivers of water. Praise God. Let's do it. Let's begin over here. Y'all come right now. I'm standing, standing, standing on the promises of God my Savior. You see, Brother Casey, if you're ready to come into the church or the kingdom, the rest of you now, come on, get in line. Come on. Amen. I'll be a tree. Let your children know you're going to be a tree. Let your grandchildren know you're going to stand as a tree and dissipate the forces of these great, foreign, unusual, ungodly winds that are blowing. Standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing. I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises I cannot fall. Listening every moment to the Spirit's call. Resting in my Savior as my all in all.
the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing. Lord, we pray for them right now. Bless the Lord. Amen. Storms of doubt and fear assail. Yes, by the living word of God I shall prevail. Standing on the promises of God. Amen. Standing, standing on the promises. Standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Stand children got children grandchildren to the spirit's call resting in my savior as my all in all standing on the promises of god thank you all standing 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 on the promises of god my savior Standing on the promises, standing on the promises, I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises, I now can see. Thank y'all. Perfect present cleansing in the blood for me. Thank y'all. Standing in the liberty where Christ makes free. Standing on the promises of God. Amen. Standing on the promises. Standing on the promises. Standing on the promises. My Savior. Standing. Standing. I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing. On the promises I cannot fall, listening every moment to the Spirit's call. In my Savior as my all in all, standing on the promises of God, I'm standing, standing, standing on the promises of God. My Savior, standing, standing. I'm standing on the promises of God. Well, uh, glory to God. Are we through? Ah. <laughs> uh,